0: The crypt Doors creak and the Tombstones Quake. And and wait. Happy Haunts materialize. And begin to vocalize. Grim, ghosts to socialize.
1: This is Beth. Welcome to the Holiday Moons podcast, where we share our love for the holidays with you year-round.
2: This is Randy. Today I will be sharing about a ghost tour I recently took in New Orleans.
0: This is Cole, and I'm going to be talking about the classic hammer horror movies.
3: This is Sydney, and I will be leading us in a group fun fall craft.
2: Very fun. A lot of adjectives. <laughs> Who has holiday happenings for the week? Me, me, me. All right, I pick um, Sydney.
3: Oh, well, oh, good. So, Michaels has a national holidays sticker book by Recollections. Oh. So, this sticker book includes holidays such as Peanut Butter Day, Compliment Day, Office a day, Hat day, and much more. That's it so even funny. has the dates of the holidays. I was going to ask. Yes. Well, that's interesting. It is, and it looks super cute and super colorful, and I want to get it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised well, you, you didn't. Yeah, I'm yeah. surprised
2: you didn't as well. Very fun. Mm-hmm. What I find when I look for the national holidays, I usually mm-hmm. have two, three, four to pick from. Some days have five or more. So I've noticed that some days, Somebody will mention a It's National Something Day on Facebook, but it won't be the same day that I picked. But it's because there's so many. I just picked one.
1: That's just amazing that there are that many.
2: Yeah, there are several. Who else has a holiday happening for the week?
1: Well, last night we went to our friend Trish and Eric's for my birthday celebration. It's a little later. We had to plan around some other things. And Trish and I will exchange $25 bills in creative ways. Now, we talked about this on, a, I think, a birthday episode. What was it? 2.16. So last night, I went over, and Trish made a wonderful dinner, and she made my favorite dessert, which is chocolate cake or cupcakes with peanut butter frosting, and she gave me an amazing gift, which was Moonopoly, Beth's (laughs) edition, (laughs) and it is incredible. It was a Monopoly game. And Trish and Eric went with us to Disney recently, and it had all four of us on the in front of a Disney World photo. Thank you, Sydney's showing me it right now. And it's your our pic-mojis. little
3: emojis, our little
1: emojis, yeah, of each of us. And the board is inc- it was incredible. The groupings were amazing. You know how they have the orange, the orange. What are they called? the um I guess orange properties properties. yeah properties were like our three cats um the three orange properties were like ember autumn and onyx Mm -hmm. and the two dark blue properties were penn state and kishiko quillis which was my high school Mm -hmm. so every set of properties was a different part of my life yeah that was it's just like amazing and I will have to say so she texted me at one point
3: Friday or Thursday and she said okay I know your mom likes Mama Mia, and what was the other, what was one of the other ones? The, the Greatest Showman. Showman. The yeah. Greatest Showman. Is there, like, what other movie does she like? And, and I instantly thought of Penguins of Madagascar. She's like, <laughs> yes, thank you. That's exactly what I needed. And those were
1: the red violet ones. Yes. They were those properties. And the going to jail, mm-hmm. in the little jail thing, it had little um, emojis of me and Trish in jail. Yeah. Like, it was just this most amazing thing. And community chest and chance cards were all about me. And some of them said, if you're Beth, you get this. If you're not Beth, hand this card to Beth. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And that's how she gave you your $25 for Exactly. Yeah, because it would say, give... 25 what was it five
1: one dollar us
0: US, yeah
1: uh, Uh, dollars to Beth. all of the money that was created were it was beth money yeah so it had my emoji on all of the bills yeah all the monopoly money Mm -hmm. so it was just amazing thank you trish thank you eric eric was a huge part of that my graphic designing friend (laughs) um so that was just that was incredible i'm still in awe of it yeah i still just want to look at it so we played last night For quite a while. It was very fun.
3: It just
0: blows me away when I see it. It's just such a cool and creative thing to...
1: It is. Yeah. I think Cole's response was, she took this to a new level. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because it's always when you guys do your... uh, Exchange. Your birthday money exchange thing. It's always... It always... The aunties upped every time. I know, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because you'll fill 25 balloons with a $1 bill in each balloon. Uh, or something like I think that was it. You was it Trish who made you a cat diorama? Yes, the, for the yes. last time. Yeah, and like used origami to make little cats out of the one dollar bills. I
1: did the um, little shirts yes. and put yes. them in the little suitcases <laughs> and wrapped wrapped the shirts. Put them in little twenty five little suitcases. Put the twenty five little suitcases in a big suit. Anyway, so yes, it can get <laughs> it can get quite elaborate. But this was amazing. Yes. I was I was. Every time I looked at something else about it, it was just like, oh my goodness. So,
0: 20 years from now, it's just going to be crazy. It yeah. is. Technology
1: but, better keep up with us. But it's all in good fun, right? You use your creative skills. Right. It's exactly. not a give and take right. situation. Yes. It's yeah. not, I, nothing to be stressed about. It's all fun. What right. can I do for her? Not.
0: It's going to yeah. be like a trip to 25 different countries and there's a $1 bill in each country. <laughs> yeah, that's a <laughs> pretty <Yeah>. good idea. <laughs> like we every, need to get a lot more money. Visit every country in Europe. Well, that
2: was a very fun evening and a very big surprise uh, to get that gift. My holiday happening for, for the week actually leads us to our first topic. I had the opportunity to go to New Orleans this past week and uh, hang out there in the city and in the French Quarter and do a bunch of New Orleans typical things like eat beignets.
3: I am so jelly. <laughs> I was so jelly for you the whole week. Listen to jazz
2: music, <laughs> throw beads at people. That were
0: wanting beads.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Here
3: you go. <laughs> i just throwing it everywhere. Not just day. out of
0: frustration. Right, <laughs> fun bead necklaces. Yeah. Not like handfuls. Like right. Handfuls of <laughs> yeah, beads. Just beads. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. The Mardi Gras. Yeah, beads. the Mardi Gras beads.
2: Uh, I went to a couple concerts while we were there. I heard a swing band, a jazz band, you know, typical New Orleans music along the way. So a lot of fun things while I was down there. So I wanted to do two things today for my topic. One is to do some taste testing of items I brought back from New Orleans. And we'll do that first. And the second, I want to talk about a ghost tour I took um, and uh, get into some of the details on that. But first, we're going to start off with the taste testing. So I brought back with me uh, pralines. Pralines are very uh, common in New Orleans. It's kind of a... A staple of the area, mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure how familiar everybody was with pralines. I'll post pictures of the uh, types that I got, but I brought home uh, La Belle Creole Confections for creamy pralines that's one, and then I brought home Aunt Sally's original pralines as another, and then I also brought uh, with me some sea salt caramels from a praline shop. Ooh. So we're going to try all three of those. Yeah. So first of all, a praline is made fresh in New Orleans using a four generations old family recipe from LaBelle Creole. They have pecans, cane sugar, butter, vanilla. They're cooked slowly in a copper pot to create, in this case, the creamy, absolute delicious praline that we're about to eat. So we're going to eat the creamy one first.
3: It doesn't have like a super strong like smell, but it's very distinctive.
2: I like the smell. It's got kind of a burnt sugary taste. It smell.
3: Good.
2: Mm, I like it. Mm, Jamie, I love pralines. Very good. Very creamy.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: One of the two non-praline familiar people. Um. That? It's fine.
1: Yeah, we we cut it into a quarter into quarters. Mm-hmm. And I got a small one, and I ate half of it, so that's enough. So it is good. I could never eat a whole one by any means. Maybe a bite of something because it's just too sweet. Yeah,
0: that's why I wouldn't. It is very it. sweet. Yeah, very sweet. Yeah, I feel exactly the same way. That was fine for me. Mm-hmm. as a thing to try, yep. but
1: it's not yucky. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: nice. Just too
2: well, sweet. Very uh-huh. very sweet. Uh, the second one is the original one, which is not the creamy one. It's got more of a uh, flat look to it. You can see the nuts in it more clearly, and it's it's more not quite brittle, but it breaks apart more It's more brittle easily. than the other. Yeah, right. so mm-hmm. take, go ahead and eat that one.
3: I feel like I'm eating like
1: creamier sugar mm-hmm.
2: with nuts
0: in it. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's weird because I can tell it's sweet, but it's not very flavorful. Mm-hmm. Not compared to the other one. No. You can
1: taste more nuts than anything, but it's too sweet for me. It's way too sweet. The other one is I could yeah. eat more of the, than this.
2: Yeah, I like the uh, creamy more than the original, but I like them both a lot. They're both yeah. very sugary. Yeah. Can't eat a lot of them. Even me, who likes sweets. Okay, the last one is the um, sea salt caramels. Mm.
1: From a praline From store? From a praline
2: company, yes. Okay. All right. I'll okay. also suggest a small bite of that.
1: Wow, it really is soft.
2: Definitely super salty with caramel.
1: It just doesn't taste, it doesn't have a caramel consistency to me. That's not what's bugging me. It's like I can feel like the granulated like salt.
3: Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> That's what I, I'm thinking too. You can actually like
0: feel the salt in it. That you're yeah. chewing it. Which, I don't like caramel. Like, I really don't like it. And I love so, it normally. I'd rather eat this than caramel. Okay, well that's good for people to know. And it's not I, as chewy as caramel. Oh, but okay, I, don't I don't like know. it. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Regardless, Regardless.
2: If you were
1: forced to eat one or the other right. of, that you don't like, yeah. So Like,
0: I normally really like salty food, so the salt is not bothering me that much. Um, a lot of it's just the taste of... The caramel, yeah. I'm surprised how salty it is.
2: What's the voting? I think
1: the creamy is my favorite. Correct.
2: Yeah, mine too. Yeah. Creamy, original. The caramels are way down the list. I would yeah. not personally ever get those again. Yeah. um I intend to give them away. And work. we have so many of them. Now. <laughs> we have so many of them. Now. It's so like, like a big, tub wrapped. Them. So that's
1: perfect to give out. Yeah. Right.
2: Right. So very fun mm-hmm. taste testing. Yes.
1: The interesting thing is that these are packaged so neat like that you have a there's like a square box of these and in each one is this awesome little individual one but the the packaging is so amazing it's just so like i would say if you handed this to someone they would be like, oh, wow, thank you. Like, if somebody would give this to me, I'd say, thank you so much. That's so nice. Like, it's a nice, yeah.
0: yeah. it like really even nice. If, even if it's, like, a small craving, because they're not huge in each individual box. Right. If somebody handed you that as a little Christmas yeah. gift or something. Right, right. That as would a be a perfectly fine, yeah, like, thing. Like, that would be a nice.
1: Yeah. Not like the um, caramels, which are just in wrapped plastic. These right. are each individual <laughs> boxes, really nicely packaged individual yeah. boxes. I'm impressed by the packaging.
2: Yeah, it's pre- it's pretty nice, and I I like to try local things whenever I'm in a, a new area, like New Orleans. I've been there before, and Sydney had been there last year, Recently, a couple years right. ago. A couple years ago, and it? yeah. Um,
3: I still love it though.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I like to do things locally. I like to eat locally. You know, I had a lot of uh, gumbo, jambalaya. I had a lot of really really good food down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other thing I like to do is do some local events. So this. Particular trip, um, one of the people I was traveling with wanted to go on a ghost tour, so she found one that was actually by the Witches Brew Tours company, and it wasn't just a ghost tour; it was a four-in-one ghost, vampire, witch, voodoo tour.
1: What cool!
3: All, All four? in
2: about an hour and a half. Oh my goodness,
3: I was so jealous of <laughs> you already, but now I'm like I missed
2: it. <laughs> All four of them. So basically, what it was was a little bit of a history tour of the city in the French Quarter,
1: which is, sounds so much more interesting to me than oh, this court. ghost might be here. Right, like the the, the history of it sounds fascinating. That yeah. sounds like a that's very worthwhile hour and a half.
2: Yeah, and you don't always know when you get there what it's going to be right. like. This was an outside tour, so we met at a street corner, which was hilarious. Yeah. Um, we just kind of congregated at a street corner, and then they just started yelling, Anyone here for this tour? Anyone there? So um, there's about 30, 30 or 40 of us, I think, that went on this one tour. Wow. But there were several tours um, just going on similarly, um, looking at buildings and places along the way. Did they
1: give you headphones?
2: No. They Head-po- just yelled.
1: No. Yeah, what he time just talked dead? loudly.
2: It was at 8 o'clock at night on a okay. Sunday night. A lot of people out. Mm-hmm. There lots of people out at 8 o'clock. Just had gotten dark. The guy who was our tour guide was really nice. He was from actually from California, but uh, came to New Orleans to help with Katrina and stayed. Oh. Um, so he talked about, he warned us ahead of time, assumed everyone was drunk in the area. <laughs> just so that we stayed where we were supposed to. Yeah. We basically started as a group around the city for about an hour by the time everyone got collected together. And he would stop at different locations and talk about different things that happened at a particular location, kind of the history of it. If it was ghost-related, you know, he would talk about ghost sightings, but there was other things like the witch and the voodoo and the vampire. Mm-hmm. So it was it was very interesting. And basically what I learned about New Orleans is a lot of really bad things happened there by a lot of really bad people. <laughs> oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> so, yeah. But one of the people I thought was really interesting was um, Marie Laveau, who was also known as the voodoo queen. So she was in the 1800s. I think she was born in 1801.
3: I think I've heard her name before.
2: So uh, she was a very interesting person. And I, w- I thought it was worth sharing. Um, I would say that these tours tend towards teenagers and up. I wouldn't bring elementary age kids. Middle schoolers are probably fine because they are historic in nature. And even the gruesome parts in your head, you could graphically see them. But you don't really... It's not like you see anything. They're just really pointing towards a building or an area. Right. It's not area. like a haunted house. That's right. No, That's it's right. not... Yeah, don't get inside yeah. of You're outside <laughs> all the time.
3: Nothing jumps out at you. Nothing jumps out. <laughs> Although...
2: At the event, while we're in the middle of it, outside this one uh, area, and it was dark uh, area, he was talking about something, and a rat ran across the street. Like I was standing next to a grate, and there's a lady right next to me, and uh-huh. it ran right into the uh, grate in front of her uh-huh. and, and oh jumped my into it. She screamed. <laughs> uh, I went too. A rat. Yeah. And so many people were like, "I'd rather have seen a ghost than a rat." I know. <laughs> Yeah, it was funny. So uh, that was the most jumping yeah. <laughs> that actually happened during the event itself. So and then, and then
1: the suspicious part of me goes, I wonder if they have trained rats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you hear about <laughs> trained rats in New York City. So.
2: Yeah. yeah, exactly. So Madame Laveau has an interesting background. Marie Laveau's grandmother was taken from Africa at the age of seven and sold into slavery. But interestingly, she was able to become an entrepreneur and she ended up buying her own freedom oh. and the freedom of some of her children, but not Marie's mother, Marguerite. Marguerite was sold as a slave. So in that area, it was, was not uncommon for women not only to have some sort of business, but also to be free. Oh. So Marie ended up a free woman. She had married a man at age 18, Jacques Paris, a Haitian immigrant, but not a lot is known about him. Less than a year after they were married, he disappeared, and she basically became a widow, although she wasn't able to marry again because it wasn't clear what happened to her husband because he just was gone. But she, after Jacques left, she started to cut hair for women, and eventually that included a number of wealthy white women in the area. Back then, the affluent didn't go to a salon. The, the salon went to the affluent, right? So she would go to the white women's houses. And she, being a very smart woman, um, got to know the, um, the maids and the, the men and women who took care of the affluent people in the house. So she really created this network of people, um, at first just naturally along the way, but it came to help her in the long run. So at, at some point, voodoo culture entered into, into New Orleans, and the white wealthy women started to see it, and they wondered what it was. So, because their one connection, or one of the few connections they had to that side of the world, was through Marie, they would start to ask her, what is this voodoo stuff? You know, they've seen dancing and chanting, that kind of thing. So, Marie, being a very savvy businesswoman, said, well, not only do I know what voodoo is, I am a voodoo queen.
3: (laughs) Oh! And I can
2: uh, help you Mm -hmm. with your problems. So, uh, she started these voodoo sessions with the women... And because she knew all the details of their lives from the slaves and the servants, she could pretty much say what was happening to the women and how to fix it. So if they were having an affair or if they were trying to get pregnant or if there was business issues, because the servants of the house had heard all those things, she already knew those things. So she passed herself off. As a median, in a sense, right, right, and Where they're she,
1: thinking, how does she know all this about me? Right, <laughs> yeah. right,
2: and so she would, uh, Marie would sell different things, in, you know, in exchange for charms and prayers and spells. The household slaves and servants would tell her the secrets, the dirty laundry of the house, and they knew everything. Um, so she would impress the clients with her the miraculous things that the spirits had told her about the family and of course Marie could fix the problem for a fee naturally
1: now did they do you know if the servants and slaves got any kickback from that
2: they did not as far as i can okay. tell okay yeah.
1: interesting that they kept they kept no in fact no
2: in fact they bought into the idea that she was the voodoo queen
1: oh
3: they
2: hmm. they bought into it as well uh so she would she would Either know of a problem and offer suggestions to fix it, or she could create problems and right. influence yeah. people to, um, to have a way to fix it. She had such a huge network across the city that she was able to manipulate a lot of different people. That's so, it, Yeah, really smart, really smart businesswoman in that time frame. Over time, she did a lot of really good things for the community. She helped the poor. She was a kind person, a nice person. She put a lot of money back into the city. So not only did she grow her network through that business that she had, but then she grew it even further because as she gained notoriety and money, she poured money back in. So she was a beloved influential person in the city. Interesting. right? So So she was a good voodoo queen. Right. (laughs) Now, voodoo is interesting. I don't know if you guys have ever looked up voodoo, but when I was in Haiti, I learned a lot about voodoo. And voodoo is actually a mixture of a number of um, things together, including Christianity being one of those. Oh, interesting. So there is no conflict from people who uh, practice voodoo between themselves and Christianity. They blend it together. So so she was a a devout. I'll put that in whatever words she used, but that was her words for herself. A devout Catholic who was the voodoo queen as well. (laughs) So as she got older, she spent more time on her Catholic religion um, and less time going out into the city. But weirdly, she was also still everywhere. So what was happening? How could she be in one part of the city and another part of the city at the same time? Well, she was actually sending her her children out, her girls out, dressed as her. Oh. They already knew the things to say, the things to do, how everything works. So her children actually became... Like, the, um, the extension of her. And the people who saw her children assumed it was her. Mm-hmm. Like, they just made that connection that this is the Voodoo Queen. The Voodoo Queen is everywhere. And the Voodoo Queen has all powers. And, you know, is eternal, basically. Wow. You know, yeah, because they're young. Because they're young, again. Yeah. concept just grew in the city. Interesting. Which is funny. Um, now, it looks like, actually, her main daughter that, that did most of it um, died before she did. But um, when she did die... The, when Marie died, they buried her in one of the big cemeteries. They believe that's where she's buried, that's where her tombstone is. Uh, but people still pray to that tombstone and still go up and try to get, like, you know, magic or, you know, wishes or whatever it may be from that tombstone itself. Yeah. So it's a very, it's an interesting city. When we were on the tour, we were going towards a Catholic cathedral, which is next to a state building. And in between those two buildings is a road called Pirates Alley. So a lot of weird and interesting things happened down there. But what was right in front of the Catholic Cathedral were about 20 medians with tables set up in this open patio area. With people just coming in and sitting down and getting their palms read or tea leaves or whatever it may be for a fee. And that's all just right in front of the, the cathedral. And I I wondered out loud, I wonder if this is always here or if this is like special and the person I was with said, well, I was here for Christmas Eve services at that Catholic cathedral, and they were all here then. That, <laughs> That's
1: hilarious.
2: For Christmas Eve.
1: So it's just a, it's a form of income. It's their job.
2: For them, it's not a, a contradiction, yeah. right? It's not a conflict. It's connected in some way. So that, that was really interesting.
1: When I think of voodoo, I think of... When they, like, made little dolls and stuck pins in them. And so it was like a likeness of somebody, right? And you stick a pin in the arm and it actually hurts the person. Right. The kind of scarier thing there.
2: Right. And then sometimes you see in TVs and movies zombies that are kind of controlled by a voodoo um, wish doctor or something like that. So that's something that the media has created. And those elements are certainly a part of voodoo so there's no getting around that but what i've read and what we talked about in the tour is that that's more uncommon the uh, idea of charms and small changes in your life via this voodoo magic are more common um in the voodoo culture
1: interesting
0: so from what you know is it like um is it considered a by practitioners of voodoo is that considered like a darker version of voodoo is that something that sort of like they stay away from it didn't seem like
2: no. they had any contradiction with any part of voodoo. It's just those things were more uncommon, mm-hmm. uncommonly practiced, versus what they had out in the um, in the walkway there in front of the church. It right. Right. is more like palm reading, reading, kind of this is what's TVs. going on in your life. If this ha- if you do this, this will be better. Like those kind of cause and effect activities. And one of the other interesting things on the tour that we saw was there was a voodoo shop. It's the longest existing, the oldest existing voodoo shop in the United States. Oh. So that was kind of interesting. And then there were are, are two witches shops. And they do practice um, Wiccan or whatever the, right. uh, That's what the-, the witch religion is. There are people that practice that down there. So we didn't go into those shops. We just, He kind of pointed them out. But he did say, which I thought was kind of funny, that if you go to this witch, witch shop, he said, don't joke around like, you know, do you sell um harry potter um costumes here or like make harry potter jokes there because he said you'll be thrown out (laughs) and you might get a hex put on you on the way (laughs) out he said if you want to do that go to this one over here that one's a little more uh, less serious about themselves yeah that's interesting (laughs) that is
3: funny because you know that they you know going down to new orleans that has to be like such a common question Yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah
2: yeah, so it was it an was interesting, informative tour uh, for all the different elements. I would recommend doing something like that whenever you get an opportunity to go to some place that you haven't been before.
3: That sounds so fun. I want to do it now.
0: <laughs> so I guess on the uh, subject of curses and hexes and the dark and the occult, uh, we go to Hammer Horror Movies. And if you don't know what Hammer horror movies are, odds are... Which I didn't. Which you didn't. Not by that name. Odds are, you've probably seen... If you've watched classic scary or monster movies, you've probably seen one or two of these movies. So they're the classic group of horror movies made by the British studio Hammer Films in the 1950s and... Up to the nineteen seventies. Wait,
3: that's where the name came from? I was thinking like they had to have a hammer in the movie somewhere. I'm like, what's <laughs> very <the> literal? Name? <laughs> nope. Yep, not quite that literal. <laughs> okay,
0: um, there are hammers that appear in the movies. They don't take a starring role in any of the movies that I've ever seen. <laughs> wow. Um, but movies like Dracula, 1958, Frankenstein, Jekyll and Hyde, Curse of the Mummy's Tomb, and Curse of the Werewolf. There's a lot of cursing. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you when you started to talk about them, then I realized, oh no, I have seen all of right, Which is why, uh, like, there's a, there's a really big cult following for Hammer horror movies, but not everybody necessarily knows what they're called. Really, what you start off with as far as monster like scary monster movies is that you've got the black and white classic Boris Karloff movies, right. you know, with your your Dracula and the original mummy and all of that really the hammer horror movies are the next set of iconic scary monster movies because these are bringing it into color so these are the ones where you have in a lot of them you have christopher lee who we know from as saruman from uh the lord of the rings or count dooku from the best star wars trilogy <laughs> I don't know about that best part, but I do. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. It does that. help to
2: know those references, though. Right. Where yeah. he's from.
0: So, Christopher Lee stars in a lot of the movies, and Peter Cushing, uh, who was Grand Moff Tarkin in Star Wars Episode Four, The best Star the Wars. The actual best <laughs> Star Wars trilogy. Also stars in a lot of them. And in a lot of movies, those two star together. Usually with Christopher Lee as the villain, and Peter Cushing as the hero. And there are a lot of different Dracula movies, so usually Peter Cushing is showing up as Dr. Van Helsing, and Christopher Lee is showing up as Dracula. Those, I started watching these movies when I was probably in college. Okay. I thought you were going to say like, like three. Four. <laughs> three. <Four. laughs> Honestly. They sneak
1: off somewhere and watch some scary They're not movie.
0: really very, they're not scary really when you go back and look at them. They're called hammer horror movies, but they're really hammer monster movies is what they are. They... I guess can be scary if you're very young, but they have an old kind of production design that doesn't lend itself to scaring kids nowadays.
1: Yeah. Well, and if it depends probably too on how much of an imagination the kid has.
0: Right. Right. So the Hammer Horror films really kind of revived gothic horror. So the horror genre through the 40s and the 50s we're putting out all these films about all these like monsters that had been like mutated by atomic radiation, uh, sort of all these like kind of sci-fi movies. There wasn't really a set of gothic horror movies out there because it was all this sort of new science, new, kind of new science kind of stuff. Because right, that's where the time. world was yeah, at that time. Right. Um, as we were sort of moving into the Cold War and sort of pushing towards. I guess, the future at that point. Yeah, it was
2: really popular at that time for radiation to be a big part of the movies, comic books, anything. anything in storylines, right? And
0: radiation could do anything. It could. Anything you wanted it to do. It created Godzilla. It created all the (laughs) X-Men. That's right. Yep, so there were a lot of films that really exploited the moral and cultural anxieties that came with the rise of atomic warfare. right. Sort of like we, we talked about, there were sort of, I don't remember, I think there were a lot of like giant bugs and stuff too oh, yeah, that absolutely. were, and that those were inter- Those are interesting movies when you go back and watch them because there's sort of perspective shooting that's, that's right. interesting how yeah, they yeah. sort of overcame their lack of technology right. at that time. But Hammer, on the other hand, figured out a way to use low budget atmosphere as a way to drive their movies to success. The key to their success is that gothic aesthetic. So there's a focus more on the unknown in that movie, which is a little more easy to film in terms of, well, I guess maybe now it's easier to just put something in with CGI. But at that time, you didn't have to have something like crazy big happening. You could focus on atmosphere. So you would have huge castles with hidden tunnels, large swamps or forests with... Caves and...
2: A lot of darkness. A lot, a lot of <laughs> darkness. But
0: the interesting thing about Hammer Horror is that um, one of the key elements of Hammer Horror is blood. Hammer Horror was filmed with a very dark tone, so everything was a little shaded. But the one thing that wasn't shaded was very bright red blood. So it wasn't supposed to be like dark like actual blood is because actual blood can even look black in some films right. so it was always supposed to be a very red very vibrant kind of contrast sort of draw your attention to it and then it can indicate that it's not supposed to be like right i guess sort of create a tone of unease with that blood hmm. so that's one of the the key iconic elements of that along with uh, there's a lot of rain and fog and other elements of that you had a lot of uh usually build up a lot of tension like people you know that uh, the hero comes to a town and there's a lot of like people telling him about things or not telling him about things in very specific ways that make him you know Suspicious. make you uncomfortable about yeah. yeah so hammer studios was actually active during the 30s but it took a dip during world war ii naturally because the war was going on so Especially in Britain, they kind of had bigger things going on right. than making monster movies. Yeah, most of the uh, media, movies, front media, were focused on the war effort. Right, so they were dealing with actual monsters. <laughs> <rather> than, <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, That's right. yeah but afterwards, uh, Hammer came out with a movie in 1955, which was the Quartermass Experiment, which... Sounds very British.
2: Yeah, and it's not very specific as to what that means.
0: Nope. It was an adaptation of Nigel Neal's BBC television science fiction serial. Oh. So a lot of Hammer's early work was based off of radio shows and bringing them onto... Interesting. The... I'm not sure if you would call it the big screen at that point, but...
1: (laughs) At that point, it was probably... The
0: silver screen, I guess you could say. A lot of people... Would have had a sense of what these characters were. They wouldn't have been sort of like, oh, what is this? A book adaptation for us now. Or a comic book adaptation for us now. Like, you know the character, but you can get excited to see them on the screen.
1: Right. They're brought to life.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. Right, which... Um, is one of the big reasons that Hammer was successful was because sort of in the way, in the manner of serials, they would put out multiple movies. So they would put out a bunch of movies where where you had Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee as Dracula and Dr. Van Helsing. So then things really picked up in 1957 with The Curse of Frankenstein uh, and then blew up after... 1958's Dracula came out, which is one of the most iconic Dracula performances, probably next really only to the original Boris Karloff version. Uh, and that's, like I said, with Christopher Lee as Dracula. And I had seen this one first, so in my mind, this is the iconic hmm. Dracula movie.
1: I'd like to see that.
0: All of it's built on tension, atmosphere. They do, they do a lot with with makeup and, like I said, the visual effects with the blood and everything to really bring these frightening characters to life. And, of course, some of it doesn't hold up the greatest when you go back and look at it. Some of it's a little goofy. But that sort of adds to, I guess, the charm of these movies when you go back and rewatch them. Like, there's 1966 is The Reptile, (laughs) which, uh, let me just show you a picture of how The Reptile looks here. I don't think I saw that one.
1: Nasty. nasty That's pretty good. A
0: little silly when you go back and look at it, but But, still very unsettling. And it's interesting because they go a different direction with the way that they design sort of their monsters. Because they are supposed to be a little... they're, They're not your monster mash kind of monsters. They are, for the time, supposed to be horror films. Right. So they do try to make it a little scarier. Like the progression in Dracula, where he starts off as a nice, well, not nice-looking, but, you know, the pale, kind of normal-looking vampire. But then they use effects to make his his eyes red and his skin paler over time. Mm. And he progressively starts looking more hey. deranged. I'm showing a picture yeah, of this. Yeah, that's a
1: good word for yeah. it. Deranged is a really good word for it.
0: And that's something that they do with all of these Hammer Horror films. They're, they're paced out really well a solid half of them are like vampire movies so Hmm. vampires were the big thing at least a solid half of the most iconic ones were vampire movies so definitely go check them out if you can you don't have to be a horror fan to enjoy these movies you probably have to be a monster movie fan if you enjoy movies that have a lot of practical effects have a lot of atmosphere and sort of gothic Overtones. Overtones. That's a good word for it. Uh, then these are a great way to spend some time. Several
2: of these movies helped shape my life by scaring the crap out of me as a young, young man. <laughs> Did they? Really? Did yeah. they? Oh yeah, when I was a little kid. Yeah. Like what? Do you um, remember? Dracula movie, Frankenstein, The Curse of. I don't remember which one. One of the Curse of. Um, yeah they they were A significant um, part of growing up for me because you know I started watching. I was allowed to watch things probably in the early ish seventies. So those were in the repeat mode occasionally on TV.
0: Oh,
3: okay.
2: At that point.
0: Yeah, yeah, and again for the time, there were people that were scared by the giant ant movies. So That's right. <laughs> these were definitely in the That's wheelhouse right. of being scary for people. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Because at the time, I, I mean, radio was a big thing until these came out, right? So yeah. the the concepts in your brain. Right, could scare people just the idea of these things. And then when you get to see them, and then they, there's a lot of blood and things right. you wouldn't know well, see. It's one of the things
0: that you're not, at, at that point, you're not acclimated to seeing blood in movies. That's right. The bright contrast of that blood is all the more jarring That's right. to see in these movies.
1: You're not desensitized, Jeff. Right. You're not
0: desensitized. <laughs> That's
2: exactly right. Yeah, There aren't video
0: games helping to desensitize Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So a great way to spend Halloween. That's right. right. Yeah, that's right. Mm
3: -hmm. Speaking of fun things to do at Halloween.
0: Yeah.
3: I have in front of each of us a little pumpkin, a mini pumpkin, and lots of different... Craft paraphernalia? Yes, craft paraphernalia. (laughs) (laughs) Great description in front of us. And what we're going to do is take a few moments and decorate our pumpkins. I put a Sharpie in front of each one of you as well. You have pipe cleaners, big old googly eyes. I love them by the way. Leaves and flowers and glue to decorate. I also have in front of each of you a Pillsbury sugar cookie. It has a little pumpkin jack-o'-lantern on it and I'm always seeing these and seeing if they're good so I just wanted to try them. To So I brought them home and baked them and um, Mom's already on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm trying to think about where I want to put yeah. my different things. So we
3: can have this fun little fall decorating while we're eating a cookie.
1: Very on fun. On your mark,
3: get set, go. All right. So we took a couple of moments. We decorated our pumpkins and tried the Pillsbury cookie, sugar cookies. Could, soda with pumpkins in the middle? Yes. Yeah. So, I'm
0: first, guessing they're a hit because you're eating one now.
3: <laughs> so, what did you all think of the sugar cookies? They're good. Um, I like them. I'm, I'm eating, eating it because it's
1: sitting in front of me. Uh huh. But, not the favorite. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah, I wouldn't go back for one. Yeah. But,
0: But if that, there was a bowl of them, like, i yeah, I pick, pick one out as I was walking by. Yeah. Better than the salted caramel. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the sea salt caramel. For caramels. me, better than the uh, prolines or pralines. Praline, pralines.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Better than everything else.
3: Okay. And then we have decorated our pumpkins. Yeah. So Cindy brought
2: out a bunch of stuff, and Beth got a bunch of glue dots, which were very helpful.
3: Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. On the count of three, let's show each other our pumpkins. Ready? All ready. One, two, three. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. They're so
1: cute. They're so different. They are.
3: It's All very right. very
0: different.
1: Who wants to start with theirs? Okay. I will. Okay. So... Sydney got these huge squiggly eyes. How big would you say they are? An inch oh, and a half? Yeah. Two inches? Like yeah. Well, inch the pumpkins
2: themselves, you said were little, but they're like six, seven inches.
1: They're like my, the, the width of my hand. If I stretch out my hand, hand yeah. yeah, from thumb six, seven, to the eight tip is like probably that. how big it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I put those two big googly eyes on there, which I love. <laughs> and then with a Sharpie, put on a little triangle nose and then put on a cute little smile and mine is a little girl's there's a bunch of leaves on top and mm-hmm. then she has a little flower up here with a bow in her hair.
2: Yours reminds me of a pineapple. Because of that's oh, that oh, so that funny. Does. Like yeah. a little pineapple Because of the top girl, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so funny. I thought of a scarecrow.
3: Because mm-hmm. it has that little nose. It's so cute. Yeah. So, I love mine. Yeah. I was very happy. Thank it. you. Thanks for bringing this over. This is very fun. Yeah. All right, Dad.
2: So, I, uh, my initial thought was to take the leaves, which are slightly curved, uh-huh. and make like a laurel wreath around his head. Oh, yeah. So, he has like a laurel wreath around his head made out of fall leaves, mm-hmm. and then he has the two big googly eyes. <laughs> And then I just like the idea of a mustache. So I put a handlebar mustache underneath his googly eyes. Made of pipe
1: cleaner.
3: Made of
2: pipe, black pipe cleaner. And then no mouth or nose. Just that's it. Yeah. That was it. The mustache it's is adorable. all that matters. It is adorable. Yeah. It's like Tom <laughs> Selling.
0: Yeah, that's right. The mustache is what matters. It's what matters, yeah.
1: Yeah. It's adorable.
0: Yep. It is. So for mine, when I saw... Because got these full... Um,
1: Sunflowers? Like
0: little sunflowers. Yeah. So when I put mine next to it, I immediately thought of somebody with like a sunflower in... Like with a flower in their hair. Yeah, over their ear. Right, like over their ear. So I immediately thought of like pictures from like the 60s that you saw. Well, maybe not the 60s, but like of the girl from like Havana or something like that. So that's like with the hoop earrings and the flower in her hair. So that's kind of what I did. It's probably not as pretty as the like... Havana girls in those pictures, (laughs) but it does have hoop earrings. I also, I also messed up the lips, so they ended up being a little larger than. I think it's I overcorrected, but overcorrected. I think it. I think it's fun too. Yeah,
3: (laughs) it is fun, and you you really went to town with the ears. They actually look like yeah. I I use pipe
0: cleaners for uh, for the earrings. Earrings, yeah, Mm -hmm. which is very fun. So I like it. Very
3: fun. You put eyelashes over the. Oh yeah, that's true. That was different. Mm Yeah.
1: Very fun and, and interestingly, Cole didn't use any of the leaves. Randy and I both used the silk leaves in ours, but Cole decided
3: not no, to. I just
0: used the sunflower. Just
1: the sunflower yeah. and I also used the leaves.
3: So I put eyes. I I drew like half circles and then eyelashes. So my per, my little pumpkin is asleep. I put uh, Lee. I tried to kind of drape the leaves around for almost hair looking. And I also put, like, a little sunflower um, on the side. On the side, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she is wrapped in a blanket. And Aww. with a little pipe cleaner, I made almost like a little mug.
2: So oh. That's is, funny. That's funny. Like a I didn't see the
0: handle tea. from this angle. Yeah.
3: So she is having quite a lovely fall. A nap. <laughs> yes, fall day with a nap, warm blankie, and mug of tea. Nice. Yes. So we all came up with very different but creative results and I love them all. Yep. They're all adorable.
2: Yes. Yeah. We'll have to post pictures of them. Yes. Online. Yes. Mm-hmm. We end our podcast for the day with our future festivities. This is for the week of October 14th. October 14th is Columbus Day. October 15th is I Love Lucy Day. For those of you that remember that show. October 16th is Bosses Day. October 17th is Wear Something Gaudy Day. Maybe a big um, sunflower behind your ear. Maybe. Maybe. October 18th is Chocolate Cupcake Day. Yum. October 19th is Sweetest Day. And October 20th is International Sloth Day. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) It is indeed. So that ends our podcast for this week. You can contact us via social media On Twitter, at Holiday underscore Moons. On Instagram, at Holiday Moons. On Facebook, you can find us by searching a Facebook page and our group um, by uh, putting in Holiday Moons, all one word. And you can contact us at any time at HolidayMoons at gmail.com.
1: So for Beth,
2: Randy, Cole,
1: and
3: Sydney, Happy Happy Halloween. Halloween!